Hello and welcome to Young and Sober, the podcast where we discuss what it means to get sober under the age of 30 and stay sober. If you're sober, sober curious or just curious, you've come to the right place. Any discussions heard here are personal to the individual and should not be taken as the stance of AA as a whole. And welcome to episode 27, where today we'll be talking with Tony and chatting about step three. Um, welcome to the show, Tony. Hey, good morning, Christian. Good morning, Alex. Morning. How are you doing? I'm uh, I'm enjoying a nice slow Sunday morning. I'm I'm good, which which is a nice which is a nice change from from the old days. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so before we kick off, we've got a question from a listener. Um, Katie says, "I'm six months sober and I'm still smoking. I would really like to quit soon, but what do you suggest?" Do you want to start with that one, Tony? Well, that's um, that's an interesting question. I, um, um, you know, I, I, I think you know, in in sobriety. So, so first off, I used to smoke. I also used to do what they call smoke. That that was what we called it back in the states, or at least in Colorado, to smoke uh, weed. So when someone says that you know they're trying to quit smoking, you know, that's one of the first questions that comes to my mind. I, I would say unless it's, you know, um, uh, marijuana or skunk, you know, um, if it's just regular tobacco, I think, well, the, the easy out is to say, talk to a sponsor, you know, in recovery, my, my experience is it works best when you have a sponsor, which is just, you know, another, it's a, it's a fellow alcoholic, you know, help, helping another. And, and that would really be the, the best person to talk to because they're really going to know your circumstances. Um, my second answer would be to to take it easy. You know, you're you're in your first year of recovery, so maybe don't um, maybe don't make it harder than than it has to be. I think, for, from my experience, quitting smoking was, was not the easiest thing, um, and that was that was a while ago. Um, and I wasn't I wasn't like a you know one pack uh, a day or more uh, smoker, but still it, it was it was hard to to quit. Just um, you know the the craving it was all the little tricks. So um, yeah. You know, get get a sponsor if you don't have one. You know, but but really get get their advice. And and the second one is maybe maybe give it a couple of months. You know, maybe wait until you've been in recovery a, a year. I think that's a pretty common milestone. You know, and there's a lot of things with that first year. You know that that folks recommend. So that's that's my that's my that's my take. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. I mean, Christian and I were both smokers, weren't we? Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was, I was told, yeah, I, I kind of echo what you said there, Tony. I think it's like, someone said to me, like, what's the thing that's going to kill you first? <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. Smoking's not good for you. Right. But in terms of the consequences, um, alcohol is, you know, much more likely to do more damage, you know, because of the fact that it's mind altering and it causes people to behave in ways that they can't control and you know also, also the physical damage to your to your internal organs and all that stuff so focusing taking it easy that's such a good um one of the aa mottos like take it easy it's such a good good application in this sense i think just be kind to yourself like you've gone into recovery to address the alcohol problem first um if you do smoke even if you start smoking like <laughs> instead of drinking like that whatever. was my story <laughs> well yeah exactly like we're, we're used to 
consuming things to change the way that we feel and you know that's okay as long as it's not booze or any other mind-altering substances you know that's that's cool yeah yeah I mean I I don't really have anything to add to what either of you have said I totally agree um taking it easy being gentle with yourself and also you know maybe not changing trying to change too many things you know they they often say don't make really really big changes or really really big decisions in your first year um and for me certainly not stopping smoking I actually didn't quit until the beginning of lockdown um and I'm still firmly on my vape so (laughs) I can't claim to have you know I've managed to cut the nicotine down which I'm quite proud of um but I definitely you know I will eventually, I think, be a non-smoking success story. But at four years, just over four years, I'm still, I'm still on the vape. So you know, just take it easy. And I haven't picked up a drink, so yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, you know, it goes back to like, you know, if you have a desire to stop drinking, that is your only requirement to be a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Like, yeah, what you do apart from that is completely up to you. At the end of the day, isn't it? So. Yeah, and there will be very, like, no judgment because there are so many smokers in AA. <laughs> like, so many smokers. Mm-hmm. I do feel like I have to add um, a footnote. And by the way, congratulations. I think it was Katie. Uh, yeah, congratulations yeah. On, on the six months. Um, I've given up uh, smoking a long time ago, but I really struggled to give up uh, coffee, you know, and that's that's a mainstay at, at meetings. And yeah, you probably me too. have a whole, whole other conversation about the, the addictive qualities of, of caffeine and uh, um, but uh, I, I digress you know I, th- I think what, what Christian mentioned that, that that's a big reminder for me is what's going to kill me the fastest and from my experience it's alcohol so yeah. I focus on on the deadly one you know mm-hmm. yeah that, but yeah congratulations on the six months and, and thanks for letting me weigh in on that yeah 100 percent um, so Tony, do you just want to give us a brief uh, intro into how long you've been sober, how old you were when you got sober? Um, yeah. Okay. And what brought you in? Sorry, what brought you into recovery? Yeah, that, that's um, that's um, that's a question that gets me thinking a, a lot about the history. But you you said a brief introduction, so I'll, <laughs> I'll do my best. And uh, apologies in advance. I've got a bit of a of a of a cough. Um, the weather here in London just seems to be doing crazy things to 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 me the the last week. So, um, the the short version is that um, uh, I first struggled really with drugs. Um, I was a, a daily weed smoker as a as a teenager, and then that progressed into other things. And so, by the age of nineteen, things had gotten so out of hand that I was uh, committed to a rehab facility. And so, I really thought drugs were my problem. And so after 19, after that wake up call, I really steered clear of, uh, of drugs. And that was when I was first introduced to um, Alcoholics Anonymous and, and other uh, 12 step recovery programs uh, was in the rehab facility. After that, um, it, it took a while, but I, I, I slowly switched to drinking alcohol because that seemed to be more acceptable than, than the drugs that I'd been using as, as a teenager. Um, and a couple of life events happened that <laughs> Um, that really accelerated um, my my inner dependence on on other substances to change how I feel because that was why I, I'd used drugs. I wanted to feel better. I wanted to numb pain, and 
and in alcohol, I found a lot of the same um, results. Um, and, and there's the saying um, I've heard before that there came a point where I stopped drinking from the bottle and the bottle started drinking from me. And it was about around the age of 27 that I started to, to, to see the, the, the real effects. Like I couldn't look away uh, from, from the fact that I'd become an alcoholic. And so I, I went to an AA meeting, but I wasn't really ready. I didn't like the idea of, of really giving up drinking completely. Uh, and it wasn't until a few, um, a few events uh, happened until 2009, July 5th, was really the first day that I realized I, I don't want to drink again, um, but I really need help. Uh, like I'm done with drinking, no more reservations. Um, I, th there's another story about how I'd gotten married um, two months before, and that was that was what that was what one of the reservations. You know, we use the term reservations in in recovery. I still had a reservation about the idea of holding up a, a bottle of champagne, or not a bottle, but a, a glass of champagne at, at my wedding, and so um, uh, that that delayed my my entry really into recovery. But it was it was July fifth, two thousand nine. So I was twenty nine when I went to my first AA meeting when I was ready. And, and at that meeting, there was a guy there that um, really seemed confident, easygoing, and, you know, he talked about his alcoholism in a way that was, was, was really um, inspiring. And I asked him to be my sponsor. And with his help, I worked the 12 steps and uh, I haven't had a drink since, but um, I have um, relapsed on uh, drugs um, in that time. And so so my new sobriety date, which is what I, I consider my real sobriety date, that's um, January 28th of 2019. So that's two and a half plus years of continuous sobriety. And, and I really consider that my, my, my new sobriety date. So even though I haven't had a drink since I was 29, um, that's, that's for me what, what I consider my, my sobriety date. Mm. So yeah, thanks for the question. Mm, amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Mm. So... Yeah, I mean, this, uh, this episode is, is dedicated to step three. And I think it's quite important before we get into it, just to reflect back on what the first two steps are, um, which we've covered in, in previous episodes as well. Um, step one, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol and that our lives had become manageable, unmanageable. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And um, as well as the big book in Alcoholics Anonymous, we also have the 12 steps and the 12 traditions, which is, I loved, I love that book because it goes, it's a bit of a deeper dive into each of the steps and each of the traditions. Um, and it talks about in the first paragraph, when it talks about step three, that we, in the first two steps, we were engaged in reflection. We saw that we were powerless over alcohol that we also perceive that faith of some kind, if only in AA itself, is possible to anyone. These conclusions did not require action. They required only acceptance, right? So in the first two steps, we have accepted in our heart of hearts that we are alcoholic, right? You know, my experience was, you know, I thought I'd accepted that I was powerless, but I had to relapse after a couple of months, right? And then I had some acceptance, finally. 
and then I was able to embark on the rest of the steps. Um, but yeah, Tony, like, I guess for you, um, with this step, make, what does it mean to you? I guess, firstly, cause we've all got our own, you know, we've got literature here, right. Telling us what it, what it means, but we all have our own perceptions and actually sometimes that can be, um, a cause of friction, I think in, in, in AA, because everyone's got different opinions, of course, of what things mean, but Tony, I mean, what does this step mean to you? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the question, uh, Christian. Um, it really just means two things to, to me. There's the memories of taking the third step for the first time as I was working the 12 steps uh, with the sponsor. And I've done that twice now. Um, and, and for me, there was a lot of fear going into the third step initially. Um, I, I still feel like I'm, I'm quite a shy, introverted person. And for some reason, I had heard these horror stories of um, you know, being new in recovery, getting a sponsor, and they take you to a diner back in the States. You know, there's this idea of going to like a, a coffee shop or a diner, and they, you know, the sponsor says, hey, are you ready you know, to take your third step? Okay, so we're gonna kneel on the floor here in the middle of the diner, and we're gonna read out the third step aloud. Uh, because you, you said you were willing to you know, go to any lengths. So here we go. You know, this is a real test of your willingness, which you know, I think is the key word. And yeah, fortunately, my, my first sponsor uh, had no interest in, in doing that, uh, <laughs> which was, which was a real relief. <laughs> I just remember being in my living room and or, or in his living room and uh you know we were talking about it and and really the key thing was he asked me are you really ready you know to take this step um and and we we kneeled down and we said the the third step prayer together so that's really the first memory for me is really being ready and i remember very clearly the feeling afterwards of just a, a bit of lightness and just uh just kind of um i don't want to i don't want to go off and say it's like some supernatural feeling but it just it felt like something had happened and i and i and, I, and it's hard to to explain mm. um and and then the second thing that i think of when i when i when i think of the third step is every day um in my in my in my current um um in my current recovery um i try as best as I can to one of the first things I do in the morning is to say the third step prayer. Um, and, um, and I don't get on my knees anymore. Um, Could you just briefly, just for listeners who don't know, tell us, tell us what step three prayer is. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So I've got my, my little pocket big book here, uh, which, which I highly recommend. And I think it's on page 63. Um, so here is the, um, step three prayer. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I might that that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, so I mean, it talks about it's it's actually quite a brief bit in the big book, right? Step three, um, the main, as you just read out, the main part of it is that prayer, and in the twelve steps and twelve traditions, 
it talks about how, like all, I mean, the first two steps, much more reflective, right? But like all the remaining steps, step three calls for affirmative action, for it is only by action that we cut away the self-will, which has been blocking us from the entry to God, or if you like, a higher power into our lives. Mm. Faith alone can avail nothing. We can have faith, yet God, keep God out of our lives. Therefore, our problem now becomes just how and by what specific means shall we be able to let him in? So this is where the rubber kind of hits the road. Like you said, that your sponsor kind of made you get on your knees in the middle of a diner. Um, for me, or didn't, didn't make you get on your knees in well, the middle of a diner. <laughs> was asking you whether you would. And, um, you know, I, I, I did my step three with my sponsor in a church in um, near Waterloo. And getting on my knees and praying was very, very weird. Um, you know, with someone I don't know that well as well, you know, like it was all just a very strange experience. Um, but it's interesting, Tony, when you, <clears throat> when you did yours, you actually felt something, and it talks about that in the, in the big book, that for some people straight away, they kind of have this sense of like something happening like nothing major, as you said, but just like something quite comforting, maybe. Um, what was your, Alex, what you've talked about your step three and you had some resistance with your step three, right? Yeah, yeah. So I um, I grew up with a Catholic dad and an atheist mum. So first of all, that was very confusing. Um, my dad dragged me kicking and screaming to church until I was 14 when I was finally able to say I don't want to go anymore and he actually listened to me um and until that point especially as a small child like I used to hide under the bed I used to hide in the wardrobe I would run to the park down at the end of the road to avoid going to church because I just I just hated it I don't I like right now I can't access the feelings that I had then so I don't or even the thinking I don't know why I hated it so much but I just I think maybe the fact that I was forced to go because I'm not good at being told what to do um so when it came to step three I'd also had a bereavement when I was 15 or 16 and because of the circumstances of that bereavement um my aunt wasn't able to have a church funeral and she'd been a very, very, very close person to me. And I, that really upset me and made me really angry at God as well. Um, so it's funny actually that I say angry at God. So I obviously thought God existed because I was angry at this thing. Um, yeah, so when it came to my step three prayer, I didn't, wanna, I didn't wanna go into a church. And I remember my sponsor saying, you know, you believe in the power of AA which is not you. And actually I was rereading step three as well um, over, you know, the last week and then looking at it and kind of underlining it and all sorts today. Um, and it talks about that, you know, it talks about, we, we know that we could not control our drinking on our own. We tried so many times again and again and again to do it. And when we, you know, get that acceptance that step one and step two gives us, hopefully, we shouldn't really move on to step three until we've got that acceptance. Um, mm. When we have that acceptance, we have accepted that there is something that 
we trust enough to hand our will over to it being AA. Um, and for some people, when they say their step three prayer, that's it. For me, I chose to kind of lean towards um, the, like the universe kind of thing, karma, law of attraction, what you put out into the world comes back. Um, I said my step three prayer to a tree in my local park. <laughs> um, and my, so that, that felt, that felt right for me at the time. Um, and then kind of as my recovery progressed, I realized that that concept of a higher power didn't feel like enough to stop me from trying to take my will back or to make something else my higher power. So kind of part of the way through my recovery, everything in my life became about work. And it's, it's almost like work became my higher power because my whole life was geared towards my job and how I appeared in my job and being successful and, da, 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 and like seeming like I was a kind of stereotypical success. And by the end of that year in that particular job, I ended up so ill that I ended up in hospital. And when I came out of hospital, I was like, I need to, I need to find a concept of a higher power that feels more real, I guess. Um, and funnily enough, I've gone full circle and I am now a Christian. So <laughs> I, you know, and I, I've said to Christian many times and a lot of my friends, and when I do a chair, that if somebody had told me in that first year that I was going to be a Christian in, you know, three and a half years time, I would have laughed at them. I genuinely would have laughed at them and be like, you haven't, you don't even know me. Um, and I, yeah, I feel very close to my higher power. I write letters to God at the end of every night. And at the end, I write your will, not mine be done. Um, and that, that really works for me. And I, I do, I mean, it, that doesn't mean that I'm always feeling like God, ex like God really truly exists and that, you know, God is listening and, you know, whatever. Um, I do have questions and I do have doubts still, but I have a group of people, um, both of faith and in recovery that I talk to about that. Um, so yeah, that's kind of start to finish my tale. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it talks about in the 12 steps and 12 traditions, like to a degree, you've kind of made the decision, um, you know, by going to AA to find help to the problem, you kind of already, to a certain extent, you're already there. Um, I sort of feel like part of my interpretation of this step is also, we talked about this in the last episode about the sort of well, and various others, but the daily suggestions that my sponsor gave me, that was me kind of practicing that willingness and that continuing that willingness to um, hand my life over to the care of God of my understanding. And um, depending on, on a higher power, you know, and, and doing, doing what was suggested. Mm. And um, yeah, the, the thing I wanted to touch on after that was um, it talks about in the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions how um, if we, like, basically if we hand our problem with alcohol over to a higher power, yeah, that's fine. But if I have to hand my will and my life over to a higher power when it comes to sort of other matters in my life, um, 
what will become of me? You know, I'll become the hole in the donut. Like, who am I? You know, do I, I just have to hand everything over? And what it says in in the literature here is that actually it's quite it's quite the opposite. But I, I understand how that initial feeling, I, I can relate to that feeling. I, I had that as well. Um, and I was talking to somebody the other day about like, they were worried that because they're in AA, it's like, therefore, all of a sudden, that's the, their identity and it's going to hold them back from, from doing other things, their lives. And because they're alcoholic, they can't do X, Y, Z. Um, but yeah, my interpretation of that is actually quite the opposite. It's like, well, actually, no, once you've got a higher power and you accept that, you can actually do anything. Yeah. Or at least you can try. Um, you don't have control of the outcome of those things, but, you know, it's a source of power and of great strength. Mm. Um, Tony, what, what are your, what is, what's your take on, uh, you know, that sort of notion of, potentially feeling like you're going to lose your sense of self, you know, as a result of having, having a higher power in your life. Yeah, I definitely had fears early in recovery around um, how AA was going to change my life. And I think you already touched on the, the expectation that AA was going to take care of my alcoholism, which seemed to be the, the biggest problem or, or the alcohol. It was going to remove my obsession with alcohol because when I was when I was drinking that was the first thing I thought of when I woke up in the morning it was the last thing I was thinking about at night do I have enough booze in the house like um, if I'm going out to meet up with friends do I have enough you know alcohol back at the house so I can do the real party you know like that was what my mind was was uh, centered around um, but there were other things um, that, that I enjoyed as hobbies that that collectively made up who I was and um but but the question is you know you know yeah did I have worries about how my life was was to change yeah I, I think as, as I was going through it and to, to be clear I was I had a lot of confusion and and this was all very new to me when I was when I was in early recovery as, as you would expect and so there was just a lot of uncertainty about how this was actually going to work and it took a lot of patience, which um, is still one of the things that I struggle with. Um, and um, you know, it's um, it. I, I could definitely point out the results. The, the results are, have been fantastic. Uh, one, I I'm, I'm able to do um, anything I want um, within within certain guidelines. So in that third step prayer, it talks about the bondage of self and, and later in recovery, that's been something that I think about a lot. Um, because there's a part of me, like, I, I feel like there's, there's kind of two, two sides of, 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 my, of my thinking. There's, there's my higher self, which is really in tune with um, spiritual principles, with virtues of honesty, uh, tolerance, uh, love, kindness. Then there's a lower self that just wants to go to five guys for you know lunch and dinner doesn't care about you know shoving people aside on the sidewalk doesn't want to exercise is, is okay with depression okay being mean holding on to resentments um the, the lower self that's really in in tune with the uh the, the things that um feed my ego that 
you know, that are, that are about being self-centered and selfish. And so I feel like when I steer my, when, when I ask uh, to have my thoughts steered towards um, spiritual principles, or really the, the question I like is, and I know I'm going a bit off the, the original question here, but the, the key question that I ask myself or that I ask for, for help with a lot is what's the next right thing to do? Yeah. And, and that's been the same question that I've been asking since early in recovery. When, when I've got a moment of doubt, what's the next right thing to do? And, and I found in my experience that I usually get pretty good answers. Um, over time, it's, it's, it's gone from avoid the wrong things to do because I, I know from, from experience what are some wrong things to do, which is you know getting frustrated, which is getting upset at, at what other people are doing because I have all these expectations. Um, but going back to the original question, yeah, there, there were fears at the beginning, but I, but I kind of, you know, I, I tried to look past them and to um, talking to my sponsor early on, you know, really helped. I won't go into some of the fears, um, but, but there, there were definitely some. And uh, yeah, I guess the last thing I'll say is, I, I don't know if it's, if it's just me, but for some reason, knowing that there are other uh, famous people out in the world that have gone through recovery, that are, that are still able to perform, that, that are comedians, that are actors, that are business people, that are, that are leaders, you know, that they're, they're well-spoken, you know, they're, they're really clear examples that you can be clean and sober and, and, and still be a fully functioning, you know, human being in this world and to be capable of things. That to me is, is a really good reminder that um, um, you don't have to be that hole in the donut you know, as, as, as Christian mentioned, I, I think that's one of my favorite, yeah, phrases. I, I don't know if, if that's in the 12 and 12 or in the, in the big book, but yeah, it's, it's another one of those funny. <clears throat> yeah. 12 and 12. Um, yeah. I, oh my gosh, I just identified and <clears throat> yeah, really loved everything that you said. Um, you both talked about the bondage of self and kind of our will versus God's will. And I think maybe we could we could delve into that a little bit for me the the kind of self-will and the bondage of self is about control and is me trying to manage everything me trying to manipulate everything me trying to get a certain outcome and in that in my early sobriety was the illusion that I could control other people that I could control events um people places and things right that's what it talks about and I think the process of developing a relationship with my higher power, it's ever changing. It's ever developing. It's not linear. It doesn't always go up. It kind of goes up and down and up and down like recovery does in general. Um, but it's been about learning to trust, first of all, um, that everything's going to be okay, but also to take the action. And I mean, it's not like a, it's not always a physical action. I mean, I do pray, I do meditate. And somebody once said to me that praying is talking and meditating is listening, which I really like. Um, that no matter what life throws at me, having a relationship with a higher power or handing over that control to something other than myself means that so many things can happen. And I mean, you know, we, global pandemic, like who knew, who would have guessed? Um, that no matter what happens, it will be okay. Like I will be able to handle it and I don't have to do it on my own. Um, and that kind of, you know, I believe sometimes that my higher power appears through other people. Um, I believe that my higher power often communicates to me through my gut. And um, 
another thing somebody said to me is when you get that kind of like anxious feeling in your gut um, to reflect on whether that is opportunity or threat. Um, And what I've kind of come to recognize for myself is that when it's opportunity rather than threat, it will be more of a kind of calm, peaceful feeling. And when it's threat or self-will, it will be way more intense emotion. And that's kind of based on like control and like excitement and wanting to chase a high. Whereas like the peaceful sense with a certain decision, I feel like is more my higher power talking to me, but having handed over that control, if that thing then doesn't work out, I can accept it and, you know, move on to the next thing. Um, And again, that does not mean that I always manage that. Like I definitely don't. And I do get very angry sometimes when things don't work out my way. Um, But yeah, to ultimately try to accept that, that something other than me is in charge. And I think, you know, you talked about um, being the hole in the donut. I think I had this idea that people who had faith were weak because like they needed to rely on something. They had this like weakness that they needed to rely on. And as the process of my sobriety has continued, I've kind of realized how much strength there is in acknowledging that you're not in control, that not everything is about you. Um, And that takes a lot of strength to kind of try and do that day after day. I don't know what you guys think about that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I I, I kind of, I kind of agree. Like, I guess if I was to use an example of, something in my own life like today I handed my notice in at my gym where I was doing personal training yeah time had come like I just had this sense like I don't need to be doing this um I just have to say that's amazing because we were talking about this like two days ago (laughs) yeah (laughs) thanks and 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 I'm, I'm practicing I'm practicing faith like here because like obviously there's that part of me which won't like ego wants to go oh yeah well why are you doing that you're quite good at it you're getting paid to do it you're an idiot like what are you doing um but there's also that kind of sense of no you don't need to be doing this you know what you want to focus on just focus on that and um letting go of letting go of the outcome you know and uh but I feel like quite often when I make a decision about something, like I, I will still have that lingering, oh shit, oh shit, what have I done? Whereas this, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, it's just money. That feels and right. It feels kind of right. And yeah, it's like, it, it's, it's just like a relief. It's just like a bit of a relief um, to know that even it's the even if it was the wrong decision, it's like higher power kind of trusting that the higher power will kind of work things out and opportunities will come up. I mean, I can't just sit on my sit down and just expect things to happen. Like I still need to put action in. Um, but you know, just as long as I'm kind of working the program and trusting, like. I have to, if I work the program to the best of my ability and I also put in the action in other areas of my life that I, I want to pursue, um, then I can trust that, you know, my higher power will leave, will never leave me kind of 
on my own like he's got my back you know mm. so that's what I well, that's what I believe today yeah which is I weird because three years ago I would not have like I'm just I didn't understand it I didn't want to understand it um so yeah mm. yeah I, I definitely pick up a new kind of strength in in what you both uh, shared on um and um and manageability is, is a term that comes to mind because when I was before recovery, um, it was true. My life was unmanageable. Like, like it says in, in step one, you know, um, and, and in recovery, my life is become much more manageable. And, and I was reading, it sounds like we were all studying, you know, step three for, for this, uh, for this conversation. I, I was looking back through my big book and it's the same one I had when I first got sober. So all these things that are underlined, I, I kind of, I kind of have to remember, why did I underline this? And I've even got little notes and, and, you know, one of the, one of the interesting things is, you know, they talk, talk about, you know, God a lot, but they also use the term higher power as we understood him. It's not really spelled out in the big book. And, and I wrote down some of the, the role models that I considered my higher power to be. And one of them was boss. This is my new boss. And this is going to be who's going to help me manage my life now and, and help me make decisions. And, um, you know, like uh, Alex, you talked about that feeling in your stomach. You know, I definitely get that a lot. You know, I, I, or anxiety, like the hairs on the back of my neck rise. Up. And, it, and it's a, it's a, it's, it's really interesting how you describe that it's an opportunity or, or a threat, because I feel like, I've, I've dealt with that same question a, a lot in, in recovery. Um, and, and so like going back to, to one of the earlier questions that my goals in recovery are different now. I, I, you know, and you, you know, thinking about strength and making decisions, I really want to be that person that can control their emotions, that can control their, that doesn't let their anger get the better of them. You know, that unflappable, you know, and, and also that I can look, and myself in the mirror and like who I am and respect the, the actions that I've done. And that if I've made mistakes, you know, that I try to make it right, that I'm, that I'm responsible, that, that I'm a, a stand-up individual. Those have become really my, my new goals because it's a lot easier to go to bed at night and wake up feeling like it's a new day when I'm not um, just carrying around all this baggage or just leaving wreckage because I'm uh, miserable to, to be or to, to be around. And um, with that feeling of anxiety, you know, when I ask that question, like, what's the next right thing to do? Sometimes it is saying I'm sorry to a complete stranger that that I, you know, just accidentally bumped into. Um, and, and, you know, the feeling of the threat is like, oh, what are they going to yell at me? Are they going to, you know, like punch me because I'm, you know, talking to them? And, um, it's, it's just, it's been amazing. So much about what I've thought about the world that, that, I've, that I've set has just turned out to be wrong. There's this uh, saying I've heard in recovery, like, my first reaction to things is often wrong um, from from all the accumulated experiences I had acting out on on, on alcoholism. Um, I, I know I'm kind of going off on, on a tangent, but I think the, the key thing is my definition of strength is very different now in recovery than what it was bit before. Mm. And yeah, the ability to not, you know, get into crazy thinking or to to, to act, you know, wildly yeah, um, that that is not strength to, to me anymore. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, I, I think I'll. Th there's other things I could share about uh, 
the, the third step. It, w- one other thing I might share briefly is um, I'm still very pessimistic. I, I still have a very distrustful view of authority and, and things that are that are in the world. I need proof and I need evidence. And with God, I don't really get any like hard evidence. But there's this really um, common thing in recovery, which is the gratitude list. And and early in recovery, my my first sponsor would say things like, "You don't ever need to worry. Your needs will be met." And um, and, and and my understanding of love is different. You know, the third step, uh, as it's as it's written, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Care to me has become to really represent love. So when I care about someone, I'm practicing love. Maybe it's tough love sometimes, you know, maybe it's, um, you know, romantic love. Sometimes it's, you know, just fr- friendly love, you know, like, um, but, but it's care. It's become more about, you know, doing things because I care about someone. And mm-hmm. when, I, when I look at a gratitude list at the end of the day, all the things that have happened throughout my day where other people were caring about me, where I cared about myself, where things it looked like things went better because because I was living a sober day. I can't argue with that. Once it's you know it's down on paper, like I I can't say like oh this day was rubbish. You know I look at the, at the record and the record doesn't agree with you know my my opinion. You know the record is actually it was a really good day and a lot of people care about me and um, and that really has has changed my perspective to when so when I practice you know a step three now. I think I've got a, a bit more faith. So that, that faith has grown over time. Maybe, maybe I'm not the perfect recovering, you know, alcoholic. Uh, maybe I'm a bit too, still too skeptical, but I find, yeah, the gratitude list really helps to reinforce my, my, my faith in, in step three. Progress, not perfection, right? Um, I really liked what you said about um, thinking about who figures were that you, that you admired or, could see as being your higher power. And I think something that I love about all of this different people that I know in recovery is they all, so many of them have really different concepts of who their higher power is. I have a friend who um, felt really uncomfortable with calling the higher power he. Um, and so she leant towards, you know, mother earth and mother, the kind of mother figure. Um, I have another friend who's non-binary and so prefers to not gender God. So uses, you know, they, them pronouns and that really fits, fits for them. Um, and I think that's one of the beautiful things about, about the concept of, you know, the care of God as we understood him, them, her, um, is that it can be any of those things. It's not prescriptive. It's, it's so personal. Um, and then just lastly, I'd like to add that for me, it's, it's a relationship with a higher power, um, And for me, it's kind of like a friendship and I don't just take in a friendship, I give as well. And I loved what you talked about with, you know, those little things like saying sorry to somebody that you bumped into in the street or, you know, those kind of things. And for me, I give to my higher power by doing those things and by striving to do those things every day. Um, Yeah. What about you, Christian? Concept of higher power. Um, Yeah. So, you know, I came in, I came in um, agnostic. I hadn't gone to church for about 15 years. Um, Prior to that, I'd gone to religious schools where I had to go to 
church or chapel at least twice a week. My parents took me to church on Sundays up until I was kind of 12, maybe. And, um, but I couldn't deny, like, I could never have called myself atheist. I just felt like that was too, I had, I had, a, I remember like, I had, a, I have a couple of friends who are fully atheists and I was always just like, that's quite a, that seems so hardcore, <laughs> like almost like to just like, absolutely no chance, like there's anything like, you know, um, so for me, there was always that kind of idea of there being something, but I, <laughs> I think maybe you know, people used to talk about karma and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I, I definitely believed in the idea of like what you do comes back to you a little bit, you know, and will come back to haunt you. And I've experienced that even in recovery. So, <laughs> you know, um, and I remember my dad would always used to, he used to like kind of go, you know, if I was repeatedly doing the same thing and expecting a different result, he'd be go, he'd go, Christian, cause and effect. When you do this, this happens. There's always an effect after something that you do. You know, and it, not necessarily to do with drinking, but it could have been to, to do with like, not uh, doing something that was important, like doing my homework. <laughs> you don't do your homework your teachers are going to be annoyed we're going to be annoyed because we're paying for you to go to school so you do work <laughs> you know cause and effect um thank you but despite yeah despite that i just you know and i can use that analogy with my alcoholism you know that despite all of the evidence that drinking was causing me so much pain and other people you know just being baffled by what was wrong with, you know, what is wrong with you? You know, I was still expecting a different result. And um, anyway, I feel like I've kind of slightly gone off, but um, in terms of my um, relationship with, with a higher power, concept of a higher power, and it certainly wasn't a denominational or religious higher power, but having like that sort of sense of there is something um, was cultivated through putting the action in, which I think that kind of wraps up quite nicely because we're going to kind of end the episode now, but like it's through putting the action in from step three onwards, it is an action based program and you don't need to get the higher power straight away. If AA, just the rooms wants to be a higher power early doors, that is fine. Putting the action in, cultivating a higher power and starting that journey. Um, it's the beginning of a journey for everyone. Christ, uh, for Alex, it's Christianity. For some people, my sponsor included, there's no religion, you know. So don't let the higher power God word put you off. Yeah. Just content prior to investigation. Do it. See what happens. That's it from me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, on that note, let's wrap up. Tony, what's something that you're grateful for today? Ooh. Well, um, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, I, I think for, for me, I'm, um, 
Um, well, okay. I get an opportunity to make my wife coffee every morning. And, and that's a sign that our, our marriage is, is in a good place, that I'm in a good place, that, that I'm waking up at a decent hour, that I'm able to do something nice for someone else shows that um, I'm not uh, completely thinking of myself. And um, yeah, that it, it's kind of cheesy to say, but it's a, it's an opportunity to be of service first thing in the morning and like making my bed in the morning. It's become such a core part of, of how I start my day to get on, a, on, on the right track. So that's, that's what I'm grateful for today. I love that. Christian? Yeah, that's cool. Um, for me, I am grateful for, I'm grateful for family today. Um, I mean, because yesterday I, I'm trying to, I want to buy a new car because I just need one for, for what I do. And just being able to call my dad who knows a lot about cars and just to get his advice. Um, and just something I've really, like my sister as well, just she's so caring and understanding and um, yeah, just like, I, I can't really kind of, I, I need to, I, I, I could show, well, the gratitude is an action, right, as well. So I need to show my gratitude to them a bit more often, I think. And that's something that I've realized through through my actions, you know, not just by saying I'm grateful for stuff, but I am very grateful for my family and um, I'm looking forward to seeing them over the bank holiday weekend and stuff. So, yeah. Mm. Um, and I am grateful for this, being here, talking to both of you. Um, and also just, I didn't sleep really last night at all. And just rather than panicking and feeling anxious and, you know, whatever, there was a time when I would have had a panic attack, not being able to sleep and... I kind of just lay there and reflected, got up with the sun, took my dog for a walk, and I'm feeling pretty good considering. So very grateful for that. Um, so thank you so much, Tony, for joining us. And thank you, listeners. We will be back next week with another speaker and a topic. Please do like and subscribe. If you have any questions or feedback about what you've heard today, we would love to hear from you. So send us a message on Instagram at Young and Sober Podcast or email us at youngandsoberoutlook.com. That is it for yet another episode. We are Young and Sober. <music> Thank you.